It's another day, which means it's time for another Daily Answer. Mark Dunnigan, your host. If you've been listening to this podcast for some time, you may have noticed that I typically end the show with See You in the Funny Papers. And you might be saying, what does that mean? Why do you say that at the end of each podcast? Where does that expression come from? Well, it is a farewell, a goodbye, or a good night that I at some point heard in my childhood. Yet, I never really pondered the origin or the meaning of the expression, so did a little research. Many of you know for a long time, newspapers have existed. A number of those newspapers can now be viewed in electronic format, and there are still a number of them that are still available in paper, printed on paper, and like down from the house here we have on the Oregon coast at the little grocery store, there's a number of newspaper stands. You put some coins in and pull out a newspaper and you can read it. And well, the news has always been depressing. Heads up everybody, it's not just depressing now. No one really wants to hear about all the planes that safely landed today. Well, because the news could be so depressing, I am told that the newspapers created a section, usually in the back, where they would put printed cartoons or comic strips to cheer people up. And those people would continue to either subscribe or buy a daily paper. That section, the daily comics, were first known as the funny pages or the funny sheets or funny sheet or the funny papers. I am told, though, that the New York Times never published any funny pages. The expression, see you, is a form of saying farewell or see you later. As far as anyone has been able to determine, see you in the funny papers goes back to the early years of the 20th century. And as noted, see you is a common part of many farewells, such as see you around, see you later, alligator, um, see you later, or simply see you. And such is even used among people that you might never expect to see again. That's just what you say. You're at a, you know, you're at a store. Well, we'll see you later. And you may never see that person for the rest of your life. And that, that see you was a typical casual farewell in the United States, at least by the late 1890s. Although it may be somewhat older. And see you farewells often are linked with humorous statements. Among non-churchgoers, they would often say, see you in church. <laughs> um, and as a joke in response, see you later, not if I see you first. So from the internet, see you in the funny papers almost certainly dates back to the early 1920s. Because the term funny papers or funny pages or the funny sheet itself apparently didn't appear in print until around the 1920s. A glossary of humor published in 1926 included, included, see you in the funny sheet. And William Faulkner also used the phrase in his 1929 novel, The Sound and the Fury, ta-ta, see you in the funny paper. So it must have been a widespread expression at that time. One reason that see you in the funny papers sounds dated or strange to us today is because funny papers, funny pages, funny sheets was eventually 
replaced by the term comic or comics. Um, that began in the 1940s and was complete by the 1960s. So people didn't talk about the funny pages anymore. Rather, they talked about the comic section, the comic strips. When I say comics, uh, don't think of something the, the length of a comic book. Rather, a typical comic strip in a newspaper for the story that day would be around six frames, six panels. That is six little individual pictures and uh, telling you like a little story or a little joke. And it may have some, you know, the character saying some words, but, but that's all you got. And some of the storylines for these comics that would appear every day, 365 days a year, um, people followed. And so there were a number of, I mean, some of the ones I remember, you know, Beetle Bailey, BC, Dick Tracy, Mother Goose and Grimm, Dilbert. Dilbert was a big comic, I think, that really took off among the high-tech people, people working in, 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 um, in cubicles and the offices. Um, Andy Camp, which I think appeared, was just kind of like a drunk. Uh, Blondie, which you would get, I think, the origin of the Dagwood sandwich from that strip. Kathy Peanuts would be Charles Schultz and Linus and Lucy and all of that. Hagar the Horrible. Family Circle would be, it was just kind of like, like Grin and Barrett. It was just a one frame comic. The Far Side became the same thing. You just got one frame for that day. The Wizard of Id, Little Abner really goes back. Calvin M. Hobbes. Uh, you can find books on that comic strip uh, at a lot of, uh, oh, like uh, different stores and stuff that sell tourist things. Garfield, Doomsbury. Um, some of these strips got really political. And some of these uh, comic strips, um, like Mark Trail, were educational. That was all about animals and had a strong environmental theme. And... Others were just like long running sagas. Uh, Prince Valiant was like that. Now, imagine for those of you that are fans of like Star Wars or the Lord of the Rings, imagine every day you got a 20 second clip of the movie, of, of the movie that was coming out. And, and that's the way the movie was shown is that they didn't show the whole movie, but over the course of years, every day you religiously watched a 20 second clip. And that's the way some of these comics were that had a following of people. There were other comics that were like soap operas, um, Apartment 3G or Mary Worth, a retired lady that moves into a condominium, I think in California, and all our neighbors have problems. And so you got like six frames of, and, and people just religiously followed these stories, but you only got six frames a day. And then you had to kind of mentally track, keep track of, Man, the plot line. Uh, talk about treating people as having a memory. Uh, another serious comic strip, or could be serious, was uh, for better or for worse, where the comic strips in that, the characters in that comic aged in real time. That as as the as the comic was drawn over the years, the characters got older and older, and that. That strip dealt with family members having heart attacks and even, ooh, hate to spoil this, but the family dog dies after saving a child from drowning. So comic strips could also be very, very serious. 
and not just humorous. The interesting thing about See You in the Funny Papers is that initially it may, it may not have been a very friendly thing to say to a person, such as See You in the Newspaper or See You in Jail. When people said See You in the Newspaper, what they were saying is that you're probably going to do something so foolish that you're going to be there with your picture on the front page of so-and-so caught doing this, of some sort of newsworthy notoriety, but not in a good sense. Yet, the, the other thought is that the expression may mean when someone said, see you in the funny papers, is that they were saying, you are so ridiculous and odd in appearance or what you do or your mannerisms that you belong in the comic strip section of the newspaper. However, I'm told by the 1940s, whatever, if there had been kind of a hostile edge on the expression, now it was good natured, it was a humorous farewell. And if it had any other profound implications of the time, it was that life in general was as silly as the Sunday comics section. And thus, I believe that the expression is still relevant today because in a sense, as I observe life, I see a lot of what I consider ridiculous things. Almost like, almost like we're going through an episode of the story, The Emperor's New Clothes. And the emperor is out there parading through the street naked. And a lot of the culture is saying, isn't, I mean, what he's wearing, isn't it fabulous? And some of us, especially us Christians, are saying, well, he's naked as a jaybird. He doesn't have anything on. <laughs> Can't you see that? And examples of that would be like when people say, well, well, everything just initially came from nothing. Well, when have we ever seen that? The world that we live in, first of all, that, that's not scientific. Things just don't pop into existence. That was the old idea of spontaneous generation that was disproven years ago and so we need to be grateful that things don't just pop into existence that could be really scary you're driving down the road and boom there's an elephant in the freeway all of a sudden um how about the idea that life came from non-life well boy if that's true then that could be really dangerous because uh, when you go to the dentist or if you have surgery the tools they're using are sterilized that is, there's no life on those tools. If there's life on those tools, then you get an infection and you can die. So relying upon the idea that life can only come from pre-existing life and that life cannot generate just spontaneously like on a sterile surface, you know, um, boy, there's a lot at stake in that. Uh, Everything we observe, and science is all about observation, of everything we observe, we only see, we, we, everything came from something, and life always comes from non-life, and of course, that's the book of Genesis. And at the end of the day, really, the choice you have when it comes to creation or evolution is, in evolution, you're buying into the concept that time and chance are all-powerful, that everything arose from like all-powerful nothingness if you're a christian you believe everything originated from an all-powerful all-knowing god and my question is 
the universe and mankind and the animals and everything that we see around us, the ecosystems, do they show evidence of design and planning or just chaos and no plan? The idea that you can have morality apart from God makes no sense to me. How's that possible? If there is no God, there's no accountability, there's no judgment, there's no right and wrong. And so I'd really like to hear someone trying to explain that one. The idea that there are no absolute truths, and yet the statement contradicts itself, because if you say, well, there are no absolute truths, then you've just stated one. That is the absolute, that there are no absolutes. The thought that you don't need God in your life, that you can do just fine without him, that you could ignore who you are, a man or woman and created in God's image, that you can ignore the instructions by the creator and you're going to run just fine and that your relationships are going to run just fine. The, 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 another expression that doesn't make any sense to me is the idea that, uh, oh, often beer companies or hard liquor companies will have a beer board, that, a billboard that says, a drink with judgment. Well, wait a minute. How do you do that? Because isn't your judgment one of the first things to go out the window when you drink? Well, that makes no sense. How can you drink with judgment? Because if you've had one drink, you don't have the same judgment you had prior to that one drink. Because alcohol, like water, bathes every cell of your body. The thought that marijuana isn't addictive really is, to me, a strange thought. Well, then if that's the case, it's the only substance on earth that isn't. Exercise can be addictive. Money can be addictive. Coffee can be addictive. Chocolate can be addictive. What do you mean it's not addictive? Fishing can be addictive. Hunting can be addictive. Everything can be an addiction out there. That doesn't, doesn't make any sense to me. It would be the only substance out there that no one could be, ever become addicted to. People become addicted to all sorts of things. The thought that gender is fluid. Well, wait a minute. Weren't we told not that long ago that, like if you're a homosexual, you're born that way? But the idea of being born that way, that you're inherently that, that you're that from birth, contradicts the idea that gender is fluid, that it's changeable, that you choose. Well, which one is it? Is it fluid or is it inborn? Uh, that, that's, man, uh, both, both of those concepts cannot be true at the same time. The idea that boys who say they're girls get to shower with the girls and the girls don't have a choice uh, man, that makes no sense to me at all. That, that's the emperor's new clothes. Or that you need to call me they. That sounds you really have a problem on the inside if you feel that inside of you is not you, but they. Or, just recently I heard about this, that we must put litter boxes in the bathrooms at schools because some kids identify as animals. And I guess the thought that doesn't make any sense is, well, then, are you going to actually live like an animal? If you want to use the litter box and you don't get a driver's license, you don't get to vote either if you're going to identify as an animal. And you're eating cat and dog food. All right. Um, so I don't know. Just that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's sad and it's comic. Yet all this proves that the Bible is right all along. There's a statement back in Jeremiah 10:23 that man who walks, man who walks cannot direct his own steps. That is, apart from God, 
we end up going off the deep end. Apart from God, we end up like the people in the emperor's new clothes. We end up deceived. We end up thinking like, wow, look at the outfit he has on and a child in the audience who has not bought into our sophisticated but false ideologies looks and says, but he's naked. He's naked as a jaybird. Colossians chapter two is a great verse that says, don't let anyone take you captive through vain philosophy and human reasoning instead of what Jesus says. Jesus has the truth. Jesus is our savior. Don't be fooled. Don't be deceived. This is Mark Dunnigan. Thanks for tuning in to The Daily Answer. Hopefully, I gave some answers today. We'll see you. That's right. We'll still see you in the funny papers. <laughs>